0: For coming tonight, I'm Alyssa Perz Edwards. I'm the academic dean in the advising center and primarily advise first and second year pre help students. Got my colleague uh, Deborah Wall with me here tonight. She works over in the Allen building, and among many other things, uh, the reason she's here tonight is uh, because she advises juniors and seniors for the application process and alums. alums. we have teamed up tonight uh, to talk to you guys about finding a post back program and our conversation is in the context of a larger series of conversations that um, are occurring uh, in conjunction with Cindy Brodarius in the Career Center. Um, I think we all are pretty excited about the possibility of students taking gap years and what they can do for our students in terms of preparation for medical school. Um, But I think in the process of advising, we often are met with skepticism about um, delaying applications because students don't want to take a gap year or don't know what to do in that gap year. And so we decided that we wanted to provide examples of students who had taken gap years. And we had a panel last week to do that from students who were at Duke Med Tonight we're talking specifically about programs uh, called postbacs that, depending on the type of program, can do a variety of things for you, um, and specifically wanna help you use the database to find those things. Um, And then Cindy's gonna follow up in the upcoming weeks. And did I get the changes on here? The the first workshop listed
1: up there is going to be 6 p.m. on Thursday, April 11th. Okay. and it's going to be here in Old Chem in Okay. And Okay. I decided that it wouldn't be good to go up against the NCAA um, championship game on Monday, April 8th, so okay. we'll go to Thursday evening.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I didn't get that change incorporated here. But she's going to talk about um, ways to think about planning a gap year and decide what <coughs> to do uh, from a, a career discernment perspective, and then she'll do into practical nuts and bolts uh, so you've decided to do to go out and get a job and get experience what are the job seeking essentials and resources that we have on campus for that um, and that'll be April 16th. yes location is still TBD and then I saw the Career Center has a April 10th career In time career
1: fair? That's a just in time career fair, yes.
0: Yes. So Mm -hmm. we'll uh, be pushing that out on the (coughs) listservs as well. Okay, so Debbie, do you want to flip this to a big screen? I'm not sure
1: are now taking gap years. So um, this year, our applicants, um, senior and alums, are about, it's it's split close to 60-40 in favor of students who are taking a gap year or gap years. So just so you know that um, juniors who are in the applications process are now in the minority, not, not the majority. It's, and the average age for, um, I think, M1s at Duke Medical is something like 23-24, so it's medical schools appreciate students who have taken time for other activities or career discernment, whatever. So post-bac uh, is short for post-baccalaureate program. It means past the bachelor's degree and it's as it says one of the many options um, that you can consider in your gap year or gap years. And um, students consider them for a number of reasons. Um, one of them is who does a postback? Why do you do a back? What are the different categories of postbacks? The um, one category is um, what we call career changer postbac programs. They're the, what do I say, they are the easiest to advise students about because they're for students who have gone through four years and have taken maybe no, no pre-med courses or maybe in their senior year decided, oh my gosh, I want to be a doctor for a variety of reasons. So maybe they've started and taken, let's say, in uh, first semester camp or two semesters so you have virtually no prerequisites. And these career changer programs prepare you completely to go to medical school. And it's like, it's, it's pre-med boot camp. Uh, they are um, crammed with all your pre-med courses in generally a year and a summer. And they're great programs for students who suddenly woke up one day and decided they wanted to be a doctor. But haven't had the courses, or they've been out a couple of years, worked, and decided that they don't find what they're doing particularly fulfilling, and have been volunteering in a hospital, and decided they want to go to medical school. So these are um, these are great programs. They've been around a long time. The very best of them, my favorites, are Bryn Mawr and Goucher and Hopkins. Um, Columbia is 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 one of the older programs, so is Bryn Mawr. Um, Columbia is a, I'm a little, uh, because of the price of um, living in New York City is so is so high, I, I do have a little hesitation <coughs> in recommending that. Goucher's program is a small one. It's a, Goucher is a, a small liberal arts school outside of Baltimore. It's had this program for, I think, 30 years at least. It's a great program, it's small, so it is, Specifically for students who've had absolutely no uh, pre-med courses. Um, Bryn Morris is larger, so is Hopkins, so they're a little more, uh, they have a little more leeway, and uh, they're willing to work with you if you've had a few, just a few pre-med courses. And um, all these programs want to know why you're doing this program and what, um, what has made you decide that you want to go to medical school. So they will have expected their applicants to have shown some um, career exploration, volunteering in a hospital, shadowing a doctor, those kinds of things are important. These are premier programs. They, um, m- most of them, I think all of those programs have linkages with medical schools, which allow you, these linkages allow you to apply to one medical school, while you're in the program. So there isn't what they call a glide year after you finish the program, um, a a gap year. Um, People like that for obvious reasons. Um, And the linkages are actually quite good uh, to a a lot of good medical schools. And as it says there, they're highly selective and they are expensive, which is why it really works well for people who have been out in the real world real world and working for a while who have paid money to pay for them. Um, The second set of program is what we call Record Enhancer Programs. And um, these are are specifically for students who are sort of on the cusp of with their science GPA. You know, we say around the 3.0, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but probably not good enough, strong enough, to get you into medical school. And that's a conversation that you should have with one of your pre-med advisors to see how you fit in with that. But these are the medical masters programs are generally what um, advisors, pre-med advisors, like a lot. Um, You um, take graduate level courses, um, so um, The Georgetown uh, Special Master's Program in Physiology is one of the best known. Um, University of Cincinnati Master's in Physiology should be better known, and I'll tell you why. (coughs) Um, And then there are a bunch of others that have Master's Programs in Physiology. They're a little newer. Um, Michigan has one. Columbia has a program in nutrition. And I know that sounds kind of odd, but it really is for, for pre-meds as well as students who <coughs> interested in an, a career in nutrition and I actually had a student I forgot who, who didn't go to this program and did get into medical school uh, and he really enjoyed that program. Um, Loyola has a medical masters, Case Western, there are a bunch of them and we'll show you how to do that search. But you
0: move on. But, yeah.
1: um, I was going to tell, tell them about the what? I was going to ask about
0: public health. Uh,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, public health master's programs are great if you want to go into public health, but if you are doing it for medical school, it's not advised. Medical schools want to see you take the courses that prove that you can do well in medical school, and public health doesn't, just doesn't get if, On the other hand, you know, you graduate, you a GPS grade, you don't want to go to medical school right away, but you want to get that master's MPH, that's okay, but that's not. Masters. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, just this year, three Duke alums are currently in the University of Cincinnati Master's program, and all three have gotten into, have been accepted by the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine. So that, I, I, that's a great record. Um, we also have several students every year who do the SMP program and generally do well. Um, So there are undergraduate record enhancers as well. Um, They are, for students who are not necessarily science majors, these might be appropriate. Um, What we advise students to do who do these programs is to Probably retake the courses where they have a C minus or lower because medical schools don't like to accept courses that are under C. Um, but mostly what you want to do in these courses is take advanced advanced coursework, biology coursework, challenging mode to prove to medical schools that you can actually handle the tough stuff, handle their, their hard courses in medical school. And, um, WashU has a program, UNC Greensboro, the Harvard Extension Service, so you take sort of Harvard Extension courses. University of Penn has the same kind of program, it's a little looser. I, um, and I think Drexel has, has some programs. Um, I personally like students to take these, take do programs that have good guidance. That means good advising. Um, counseling, maybe MCAT practice, and some of the larger programs like the Harvard Extension Service. It's not quite clear that they have that kind of support. So we'll get to that. Um, and there are also programs right for underrepresented minorities, and there are variables. Some of them want you to apply to and not have gotten accepted to medical school weeks. Program is that? Wake Forest has a program. Uh, my personal, one of my personal favorites is the Illinois Med Prep program. It's at Northern or Southern Illinois? Southern, uh, Southern Illinois. Illinois. And it's a two year program, and um, they have good results. And we have had students who have done that program, gotten into medical school. The Georgetown Gems program is another one. It's hard to get into that. There. And uh, Drexel has several uh, pads. Uh, so, before you do this, do your homework really well. If you're interested in a post back program, um, so make sure you understand what requirements there are. Whether you have to take the MCAT, whether the, uh, whether the um, GRE is, is will you know suffice. Um, make sure you um, understand how much it is and whether you really want to go into debt before you get into medical school. When, Possibly, you'll be going into more debt. Um, make sure that, as I they said, services vary. Make sure that um, that you're getting what you paid for. Um, all these programs are fee for service, but they make money <coughs> off of their students. We, that's about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they make the money <laughs> for the institution, so be it, you know, buy or beware. Make sure you're. You're getting what you expect to get, and this is really important. Call and ask questions. Don't be shy. If you have a question, pick up the phone and call that office. They're as anxious to get you, in general, as patients um, <coughs> are I think
0: that's especially true with, you know, if you feel kind of held back by the GPA minimum or something about you just doesn't quite mean. It's much better to call and ask and say, "I'm in Duke graduate or will be a degree graduate, how flexible are you on this? Because I think they may have some flexibility for our students. In ways that <coughs> and others. and um, I think the very last um,
1: phrase, program track record, don't be shy about asking, how what percentage of your students get into medical school? A year. So, um, if you look on some websites, they'll tell you. They'll be very honest. The uh, the um, career changer programs, will, in general, right up front will tell you 90 to 100% of our students get in, you know. Um, University of Cincinnati actually publishes its results. They publish every year what their um, graduates are doing. So, I think that's a Great problem.
0: table comparing your program to other mm-hmm. programs, I thought.
1: It's I a great,
0: time. it's a, yeah. And I, I think there are, these are cropping up everywhere. So. Um, I've talked to some students that have called programs, and they're very evasive about track records. And mm-hmm. I think that's a sign that you know you may want to go with a more established program that's proud of its track record and willing to share mm-hmm. it. Um,
1: so there's another kind of um, program. It's really not a program. It's, it's a sort of do-it-yourself uh, ad hoc. What does I mean, uh, Dan they call it? Because it's something else. I, have a, I don't know. I usually call it a do-it-yourself program. So that is going to a school and taking um, coursework. Either if you need to do more courses if you haven't taken, you can take them. You know, if you haven't managed to fit in, let's say, biochemistry and, let's say, animal fizz, you can do that. If, um, if you need to increase your GPA, um, the best way to do that is not to necessarily repeat your science prereqs. If you've gotten C's, C plus, B minus, don't repeat take advanced courses. That's what medical schools will want to see that you can, not that you can, you know, get a slightly better grade in a course that you've already taken, but you know that you're doing really well in like immunology or cancer biology or some advanced course. And um, they're definitely far less expensive. Um, but um, they're unstructured, so you know, they, you're, you're on your own. You have to be really um, thoughtful about how you structure this. But it's doable. I know people who do it. They go down to UNC if they're going on the residence. it's cheaper to take those courses there. Um, so, program, how much do you get for what you pay for it. Um, the career changer programs and the medical master's programs are almost all full-time programs. The um, the <coughs> part-time programs are will take you longer, but you can work at the same time, but you can't work that much and take a lot of courses, obviously. Well, um, is financial aid available? That's Certainly important. Um, and again, what kind of advising do you get? Um, for the committee letter, generally we will write a committee letter if you've been out, I think, four years or less. Um, for career change programs, they write the letters. You're paying for that. So, there are some
0: we, we wanted to just show you yeah. some Duke students with kind of anonymized information. So we had a career changer who went to UPenn and went to UPenn then for medical school. Um, I think he graduated from Duke in 2006. Uh, Debbie talked about her three stu- students who were all going to make matriculate at University of Cincinnati. Um, in 2012, uh, entering class for medical school, of eight students who went to the Georgetown special masters programs, five of them got into medical schools. You can see we've got uh, USC, Case Western, Eastern Virginia Medical School, Drexel, and Tulane. So uh, our students, not 100% of them, you know, go on, but you know, just seem to increase the odds of their getting into medical school. Okay, so we thought we'd
1: show you what. The AAMC database looks like. Um,
0: so, if you guys want to use the computers in front of you, um, yeah. you're welcome to do that, or just follow along. You can just click on. just click over here. Oh. Okay.
1: Um, so, you can see that there's a they have a program focus, so, um, and actually whoever did this didn't do a (coughs) fabulous job of separating out the different programs because some of them are are, are a bit mixed. But let's do, um, let's go to the Academic Record Enhancer Programs. And let's do all states. I do yes. Okay. All states. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, public, private, all. And let's do instead of all graduate, undergraduate. Because that will give us a lot. Let's do the graduate ones first, because we talked about those. The. Um, okay. mm-hmm. I? Are you
0: trying to get down farther?
1: Lots, <laughs> but, but some of them are um, some of them are not master programs. So you can see American University has it; they list that as a post-baccalaureate pre-med certificate program. That's not a master's program, so you just have to be careful. But um, BU has one. Um, uh, Cal State doesn't. Those are not. But there's Case Western Reserve. Sir. Um, they have applied anatomy and pathology but I think the the physiology is generally uh, the best bet. There's Columbia's nutrition program Um, Dartmouth has a program for health policy and clinical practice I wouldn't advise that Um, but so you can go down Drexel has a lot of different ones and you have to sort of sort them out but they do have a, a, a medical um, medical science program. And BBMC, right up the road, has one. Um, looks like this, you know, this next one is an osteopathic school. Is that via Edward Vita? Huh? I can't see. Yeah. Really? We actually don't. List. Mm-hmm. The I know, it's is that? Yeah, you're right. They are listing Edward Vegas, and that is an osteopathic. There's Georgetown SMB program. Um, and Georgetown actually has another one. It's a master's in physiology and biophysics. Um, that's a it's complementary and alternative medicine. I probably would do that yeah. one. It's, it's the G Square, Georgetown and George Mason. As a master's in biomedical sciences with an emphasis on systems biology. That's another, that's a newer one. Um, so it, is it your opinion it,
0: that these masters aren't really good for much other than as a stepping stone for medical school or can well, You know, some at, little least, little
1: at least you come out with a degree. So I guess I'm a, a little more fond of these, and because they are graduate programs, even though they don't affect your undergraduate GPA, I think that the rigor of the good programs is a good indication to medical schools, and especially the ones that have some linkages, well, sort of linkages like um, Cincinnati. And I think Loyola interviews their students who do well. So,
0: anyway, do you I wonder if um, you guys want to ask us yeah. questions or let us know what you're interested in, and we can go and um, Debbie might guide us with programs that she particularly likes, or we, you know, we can try to tailor this segment for what you guys are interested in. So any, any thoughts or specific questions about what we've shared with you about where do I start, how do I find,
1: that kind of program over this one? Uh, I have a question about like, p- like taking like just customized classes I guess a do it yourself program. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say like you know, go back, I am from Cincinnati, so I take classes at University of Cincinnati. Will that look bad? Because you no. Know, I mean there is a difference between the level of rigor at University of Cincinnati and Duke. So like will they like just taking like some like pre made class I mean Taking more advanced classes at the University of Cincinnati versus taking them here. Well, after you graduated, you really don't want to take courses here. In general, they're expensive. Yeah. After exactly. after the after the summer, yeah, if you graduate. They're pretty expensive, and you're at the bottom of the heap in terms of getting into those classes. Yeah. So if, you know, if you're an Ohio State resident and you take courses at the University of Cincinnati, I think that was just fine. Okay.
0: And and I'll back it up. I have a, a colleague here who's taught at NC State and she said her experience teaching chemistry classes at NC State was very similar to Duke in that the brightest students at NC State were no different than the brightest students at Duke. Maybe the only difference is, is that the distribution of student uh, experiences and preparation <laughs> was much broader. But that there were still really great competitive students. So if you do well at a state school that may not be as nationally regarded as you, chances are there's still a great crop of competitive students oh, yeah, and rigorous courses. And uh, you know, I think doing well in those can can be valid. Okay.
1: Students get into medical school. People forget. Students get into medical school from all universities and colleges in this country, and you know they're generally well prepared. Not just you know we do a great job of preparing them, but a lot of other places do as well. So you can do
0: it Okay.
1: requirements but for some so some of the classes that you took at you didn't do as bad but you also didn't get like a bad grade. So what would be like one of the suggestions that you would have in terms of doing a post back or you doing doing it by yourself or or what other classes would you take? I think if you're looking at repeating courses, our advice is if you've got a C minus or
0: lower, those are Courses worth repeating. Um, I think those would be ones I'd do kind of in an all-part way. I'd go find nearby state school, do the lowest tuition possible. Um, you know, when you get done with that, then you might need to assess: okay, do I need to go take more advanced coursework in biology? Would I benefit from a special masters because now my GPA is within range? Uh, you know, I think what you'll find is you go into the special masters. Um, some students find that they're out of reach because their GPAs aren't quite there. So, they're going back and doing some the park courses in preparation for that is helpful. Without um, really knowing where you are, yeah, be it's better,
1: better to have a one-on-one
0: conversation. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a skeptic about what are you spending money for in one of these programs, and if you can get everything you need to be med school competitive, then um, you're, you know, most people are going to take out large loans for medical school. to so save your money for that. Save your credit because there are lots of sad stories you hear now of students getting into medical school that they've taken out loans for undergraduate or post-bacc programs and nobody will loan them money even though they've gotten admissions to a medical school. So you, you have to be careful with that piece um, as well. But I think one-on-one advising toward what should I specifically do is, is probably a good, good thing to do about this time. Other kinds of questions about where students go um, when you get into the database. I know it's overwhelming I mean, when Debbie limits it to just graduate programs you know, this huge list comes up. I set no limits and got 130 yeah. different schools listed, but I don't think that included, I wasn't counting, you know, Drexel has seven and, you know, I think the possibilities I out there yeah. are um, really overwhelming. So I think kind of wanted to sort of give an overview in this session, but then encourage you to dig into this database and see what's out there. Um, and then I think encourage you to do individual advising sessions so you can figure out you know, are these programs the right ones? And how do these programs differ? I go to pre-health advisor conferences and just talking to people from Drexel. uh, You know, I finally sat down with them and I said, can you walk me through all your different programs and, you know, tell me what kind of student each is designed for? Even
1: even though I read it every year, to remind myself it's still quite confusing and you really have to concentrate to make sure that the program that you're looking at is actually going to be the right one for you. And usually when, when students come to me, I have them make actual um, Excel spreadsheets, um, you know, to find exactly what the program has, what it offers, how much it is, all those things.
0: And I think, um, you know, there might be some exceptions to this, but I also am not a big fan of the programs that if you are far away from being ready to take your MCAT with respect to you know, grades in prerequisite courses, like, you know you're gonna go back and retake chemistries, um, and and things like that. I think we at Duke do a really good job in advising our students about when it's time to spend their money, take the MCAT, when it's time to pump down their money for application. I think sometimes students feel like we discourage people from applying, but I think what, what our goal is, really, is to help people out figure out, is now the time to apply? Um, because our estimated dollar figure for the typical application is around $5,000, and I don't know about everybody at Duke, but $5,000 is a lot of money for me to invest, so I want to make sure that it's gonna get me where I want to go. So um, I am not a big fan when they say take the MCAT, apply to medical school, and don't get in, and that qualifies you for our program. If you have come from a place where no one has advised you well and that's kind of where you wound up. I think that's fine. But I'd much rather see you do some a la carte courses, really prepare and not have failure be the indicator that you need to go that route. Because you're going to retake your MCAT, some schools are going to average your scores. Um, if you're going to repeat course prereqs that are relevant to your MCAT prep, then you know there's to me there's no point in sitting for the exam if you know you're gonna do likely to do better next time just because of that experience. So can I just, do I, interject? <laughs> I just
1: interject, and I agree with you 100% for most of those, especially the Wake Horn program makes me crazy, but um, the Georgetown program does have, one, they generally advise their students to, to apply to medical school and to the Georgetown okay, SMP program. Incredible. And the reason they do this, and you have to actually, I can get better advising from them. To make sure that you fit into this category, but there, these are people who are on the cusp, right? So maybe all it is just a boost to get in. So sometimes what happens is they apply to medical school, they apply to the Georgetown program, they go to the Georgetown program, and then and medical schools will wait to accept them until they see the grades from that first semester Mm -hmm. in Georgetown. They will wait. And then when they see that, oh, gee, they got all A's and they've done really splendidly, then, you know, then they'll get in and then there's no glide here. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the thinking for some of those programs. And, you know, it depends on where you are.
0: Right. And, I, and the other thing I've gathered from talking to the, the representatives of these programs is sort of the MCAT minimum that they're looking for is a 24 um, in the ones that want an MCAT beforehand. Yeah. So call, ask, but that's, you know, eights across the board. is uh, sort of what they're looking for because they, they want to have a good track record <laughs> and they feel like 24 yeah. is kind of within reach of what you need to do to improve. To be ready, and so there's this funny conservatism that goes on. They want to guarantee student, but you know they're also selling a program that's going to get you where you want to go. So um, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's just um, I'm tight with my money uh, or um, that sort of thing. But I think you've got to be careful not to be lured into the idea that these programs will guarantee you admission because you're paying them large amounts of money. Um, not everybody goes from the programs into medical school, and so you're going to choose to spend your money. Um, make sure that you've really evaluated that there are value-added opportunities and experiences. And I would encourage you guys if you have questions about specific programs. Um, Debbie's got a lot of experience in advising students, seeing student where students go, where they get into medical school when they do apply, and um, you know I think can can provide you at least some knowledge about some of the programs. we obviously haven't had students attend all of these programs and been successful getting into medical school, but um, we know it's overwhelming to wade through this stuff um, and then the promises versus the costs, but are, are here to support you if you want to pursue this route further. Other questions? Yes. Yeah, so we have the list of programs here. If you were to navigate one of your favorites,
1: Ms. Wall, how yes. would, where would be some of the places on those websites that you'd look for some of the information like, you know, sure. Um, sure. Um, can you except you in here me? I don't mm-hmm. see a
0: Found is that the links on the, the database aren't always direct um, to the aren't direct, so we're having to kind of navigate around the University of Cincinnati website. Given our, it's taking me a while. So we took us a while to get here um, from that but uh, so meet the class of 2013. 13 mm-hmm.
1: yeah. so they have they've introduced the students current student survival guide benefits Classes with first-year med students, and that tells the medical school that, and the same is true with, uh, I think Georgetown, That's, that uh, that you can handle. Um, and you can see here
0: tuition, cost of living, entrance requirements. So what I liked about this was it was kind of a quick, at-a-glance, here's the landscape of a, of a, a relatively small pool but um, I think gives you a, a snapshot of other places you could look at and how Cincinnati um, varies with them. You can see also that most
1: of them want you to have a minimum GPA, but that's an overall GPA, it's not the size. Okay. And the higher MCAT score is with
0: Georgetown and Cincinnati. Yeah, so they, these MCAT scores are just off the national average, which I think is around 30. Is that 31 or 30? 30. Like, run in the original 30, 34 range for our Questions, things you've seen as you scroll around?